Welcome to the Living Out Podcast. I am your host, Darren Steele, and on the show, I bring together the intersections of LGBTQ social justice, queer thought, leadership, and personal growth. In my work as a LGBTQ life coach, a well-being coach, I help people identify their difference and use that difference to make an improvement in the world. So today, what I want to speak about is pride. Pride is come and gone in most large cities. It goes all the way into August for many other cities in Vancouver and in Montreal. Um, usually the first week, I think, first weekend in Vancouver and around the 15th mid-month in Montreal. But pride in most of the large North American cities, Toronto, Montreal, New York, LA, San Francisco, is really a big party now, right? And it's been that way for a very long time. A lot of floats on 18-wheelers, a lot of corporate sponsorship, a lot of businesses that you'll see putting up pride flags or using the rainbow flag in their advertising for the month of June. And then suddenly everything goes quiet. You know, it's few and far between, to be very honest. Those businesses that maintain representation 365 days a year for supporting our community. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. And sometimes that business is short-sighted and think, well, you know, I'll come out and I'll support Pride, put some money towards it, run a few ads, perhaps sponsor an organization. And at heart, they're absolutely supportive of us. There are other businesses that as soon as the 1st of July comes along, all the paraphernalia that is Pride-related comes da- down. And, and suddenly they're making decisions that when we realize they're actually negatively affecting us, call into question the purpose of their support, which makes us realize that it wasn't support in the first place. It was just a cash grab. It was a way to commodify, to commercialize, to capitalize on LGBTQ people, to tug at our heartstrings and say, oh, look, we've got a lovely rainbow flag in our window and we want you to come and shop at our store buy our products, purchase our insurance, bank with us. It is up to us to really know who is truly supporting us. By not having conditions or shackles attached to the money that they invest in our community, and to know that their support is backed up both with a mission statement, a mandate, a reason year-long support and showing up, perhaps tweeting, Facebooking, working with members of the community. I won't name businesses here today, but I know some examples of businesses in Toronto that are there supporting the community 365 days a year. And of course, super big businesses make mistakes just as individuals do. But the ones that are really investing in the community have a team of people on staff who are LGBTQ and who are investing in promoting diversity within their workplace and promoting 
to the public that they do this. And yes, of course, it's for financial gain, but it certainly attracts the possibility of an LGBTQ demographic to that business. And I believe it makes that business and thus the world a better place when we can go into work and not feel like we have to hide who we are. So I want to talk about this idea of pride as a celebration. And I think pride as a celebration as a big party is de facto a protest. But there's always a but and there are always some conditions. This is the big question that a lot of people are asking right now. It's become too big. It's so big. It's all about corporate sponsorships. Where are the PFLAG organizations? Where are the trans rights groups? Where's this? Where's that? And the the groups that are marching with placards on the ground are often getting lost because right behind them are a bunch of, you know, hot looking men, possibly on steroids, gyrating uh, with their glorious muscular pecs and washboard abs. And I don't have any problem looking at that. I like looking at that. But at the same time, I recognize that's not just what pride is all about. However, If there was no prejudice against LGBTQ people, we would not need a parade. We would be part of the everyday straight pride. Ironically, Boston just approved a straight pride, which is just so nonsensical, but that's the topic for another podcast. Straight pride, in my mind, that's the freedom to walk out and about, down the street, in a park, into your workplace, without ever having to really be worried about your identity. No one is going to come up to you and say, are you queer? So over the last 50 years, protests have changed in size and meaning and veracity. To be able to celebrate pride, to to revel openly as who we are in public out on the streets, holding hands with the person we love, kissing our same-sex partner, making out with our trans lover, dancing in the ecstasy of the freedom of one day, just one day, being surrounded by our people. It's not only an act of celebration, but a very public display and affirmation that we are here We're queer, and we require the same rights and freedoms as everyone else. And that is a powerful statement. We're here, and we require the same rights and freedoms as everyone else. From a very early protest march, this is not my, quote, denial of equality is immoral. Denial of equality is immoral. I'll leave that one up to the philosophers. I'm not going to argue it because I wholeheartedly believe it's true. To have rights for some people is not equality. And that's why we still march. That's why we still have parades. That's why we have these celebrations. And without this celebration... Well, if there were no need for it, either we would be 
quashed and squashed by the police or the state and we aren't allowed to publicly protest or celebrate and that's the case in many countries in the world where it's illegal to be out to be lgbtq you could be thrown in jail you could be beaten up you could be killed that we are able to for the most part in many north american cities have a peaceful and celebratory pride that makes a statement about the current state of LGBTQ people and certain rights and freedoms. We're not there yet, though. We don't have full equality. And according to my friend and colleague, Jeffrey Yovanone, who said on the uh, last podcast, Deconstructing the Myth of Stonewall and its Influence on Mainstream Society, he believes that we're probably only about halfway from where we started demanding rights and freedoms to actually being equal. So remember I said that pride is a celebration, or pride, sorry, as a celebration is de facto a protest, but, well, there's always a really important but. There's a question about reclaiming pride. I've had this discussion over the years. Like, could we have, you know, a big party, a big celebration, so that we can just let loose and, and be our most queer, gay, happy selves and, and, and be in that moment of joy? But could we also have a protest, a march, something much more political to go back to our origins? Well, the Reclaim Pride Coalition in New York City sought to answer that very important question. So they created an alternative march to run, I guess, the day before the Stonewall 50 World Pride Parade in New York City, which happened this past June, the very last weekend in June 2019. So as of today's recording, just this last weekend. Now, on their website, their Why We March statement says this, we march in our community's tradition of resistance against police, state, and societal oppression, a tradition that is epitomized and symbolized by the 1969 Stonewall Rebellion. It's really important. We did speak about the commercialization of pride in my last book. Uh, podcast, and Jeffrey went on at length about that challenge in deconstructing the myth of Stonewall. And that's the same challenge that Reclaim Pride has witnessed. And so they continue in the second paragraph of their statement saying, We march against the exploitation of our communities for profit and against corporate and state pinkwashing as displayed in Pride celebrations worldwide, including New York City Pride Parade. So I'm not saying any of this is right or wrong or one side is better than the other. <clears throat> of course, I wish that we had an annual event like what Pride is that simply commemorates all the struggles we've been through and is just joyful at remembering that we've been through these struggles but doesn't have to deal with the fact that we are still struggling, we are still fighting for rights, freedoms, and equalities. But that's not the case. If 
you pay attention to the news. You know what's going on in Russia, in Chechnya, in Israel, in Palestine, and even in the United States with trans people more and more losing their rights and freedoms. And even in Canada, where we have some politicians, both in provincial and federal politics as the opposition, who are extremely anti-LGBTQ, who have a history of working strongly against our rights and freedoms, who would like to take things like the right and freedom to abortion off the table, who probably want to try and bring their evangelical Christian beliefs into the state of government. And this is something that we as a group of people, as queer people, and I'll come back to why I'm saying queer people, need to reject and fight against. Now, I'm not saying that you need to reject all religions. I'm not a fan, and I think religion causes more problems than it does good. But there are certainly some religions that are highly problematic. And when I say we need to fight as queer people against ideological, fundamental religions, it is because those religions are also against us. The people that control those religions, the pontiffs, the priests, the leaders, they use ancient texts in a doctored and mismanaged and mistranslated and misconstrued way as an attempt to try and create fear within their tribe of the other, to give them something to hate, to give them something to be afraid of, which elevates the need for their followers to follow the rules more blindly and without question, knowing that if they just do what they're told, fighting the evils of Satan and homosexuals, they will be the ones who will be saved. And when we're out and celebrating pride and we're being handed a rainbow-flagged Pepsi or a free water by whatever company, thinking, oh, isn't this great? It's easy for us to forget all of those other things that are happening. So it is important for us to remember. It is important for us to perhaps take part maybe just one year in the party and another year in the protest. And the protests remind us of the truth. Here in Canada, Hamilton, a city just outside of Toronto, a couple of weeks before the Toronto Pride, witnessed a racialized group that caused some problems and there were some fights against, I guess, the opposing Antifa group. And the comment from police was, well, we would have intervened sooner, but we weren't invited to the parade. And that's just such a crock of shit. I spoke about that, I think, in my second last podcast about why Black Lives Matters was correct and why police should not be allowed to march in pride in uniform. It's not that the individuals of any police force are bad. It's the tradition, exactly 
what Reclaim Pride talks about, the resistance against police, the state, and societal oppression, the forces that have been used against us to control us, oppress us, the police that picked us up and put us in jails and revealed our names, and those of us who lost our jobs, our livelihoods, our homes, our places to live, our friends, our family, as a result of police harassment. Like anyone in their job, if you don't do your job, you can get called in. And having your manager perhaps tell you it's time for you to leave or that you're fired. For the chief of police in Hamilton to say we weren't invited is gross negligence. That's not the truth. If you read the news, they did have a discussion with the chair of pride. And this police officer was simply a little bit annoyed that he didn't get to have his white male privilege, of which he really doesn't have any privilege in this case. He was mandated to protect the rights and freedoms and the safety of the people at that parade. This is why we need to both celebrate and protest. So I'm going to include a number of links for this episode and keep it short because I think... What I'd like to request, what I'd like to ask of you is to read, to read more deeply, to remain educated, to stay on top of history, to seek the truth, to ask questions, to think more queerly. There's a really powerful four episode documentary called Stonewall 50, The Revolution. Um, It's a documentary series that was from NBC Out and Nightly Films, and it's based on the historic 1969 Stonewall uprising. But it explores the past before that, from the 1920s in New York to the present and the future of our LGBTQ rights movement. And on Think Queerly, this last month of June, there's been an incredible number of interesting articles talking about pride. Also bringing in the issues of religion and that intersection of those LGBTQ people who have struggled and have either left religion and become agnostic and fought against religion, or those who feel sort of caught in the crosshairs, having a belief, but maybe not being accepted by their LGBTQ peers who are not religious, who are not believers, but then also not being accepted by members of their former churches. We need to be reminded that even though it seems like it's only been 50 years, it's been 100 years. Stonewall was like the tipping point. In the 1920s, in some of the large cities in the United States, New York and San Francisco, there were these so-called underground nightclubs. And there was a thriving queer scene. Yes, queers were harassed by police. And then came prohibition and depression and morality sort of took over and then World War II happened and a a lot changed. And then in the 60s and the 70s, people started to question. People started to recognize that as human beings, they had rights and freedoms and they needed to question the status quo, the authority, the state. And that happened in Canada as well. 
Our biggest turning point was the bathhouse raids in Toronto. Three years ago, like I said on my podcast about Black Lives Matter stopping the parade, three or four years ago, Black Lives Matter stood up and stopped the parade and reminded us of why pride is a protest and why it's so important to recognize the distinction and the difference between celebration and who we marginalize when we celebrate. And perhaps that's the most important point for me to end with here. When we celebrate wholeheartedly, almost blindly or with blinders on to what's in our peripheral vision, we marginalize. We may not do this consciously. We're not doing this with the intention to hurt. Yes, some people are. But there will always be somebody left out. So while having a pride parade is still de facto a protest, it's like protest light, I think it's time for us to reclaim pride, to have both. I like that Toronto has a trans march on Friday and the dyke march on Saturday and the official traditional, quote-unquote traditional, pride parade on the Sunday. But I would like to see our Toronto pride parade have a march that's a protest march that is open to everyone to express themselves in whatever numbers they arrive in, in whatever way they wish to show up, with whatever they want to say on their placards and by voice. Because remember, as much freedom as you feel you may have right now, it is still precarious. We still don't have humane rights. We have some human rights, but human rights are precarious in that they are always at the whim of those people in power. And it's going to take much more than a single country or a single state or a single province legislating the rights and freedoms and protections of LGBTQ people. It's going to take a worldwide consensus. It's going to take a shift in egocentric consciousness before we get to that point. And I believe that's a very long point from now. Maybe one more thing. Wayne Dyer wrote, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. It's kind of like quantum physics. When you observe a particle, the properties of that particle change. So when you change the way you look at things, if you're always looking at things as the negative, if you're always reading negative news, if you're always worried about what uh, the current president of the United States is going to do, all you're going to be thinking is negative outcomes. Negative news sells. There's so little positive news, but there is a lot of positive news. There is a lot of goodness in the world. We just don't get to hear it or see it. But if you look at the negative news less, if you choose to try and see what you can learn from a problematic situation, that change in and of itself 
that becomes a change in you. And when you change the way that you look at, let's say, the news, the news that you look at changes. And that's a step in how you can use your difference to make a difference instead of sitting back and just listening and not taking action. Perhaps you decide to sign a position. Perhaps you decide to have a more difficult conversation with someone who doesn't quite understand why it's so important for us to have our rights and equalities. Perhaps you decide to get involved in a group, in a protest, and stand up for what's right and what you believe in so that you can make a difference in the world. As always, live out and live proud.